Hello, and welcome to the reading room. This is Kate, or Mrs. Lemonade on Twitter, and today I will be reading Our Own Way by Anna 1, Anna 2, and Kajako Project VR. Disclaimer, this fic is rated teen and up audiences. Please see the archive of our own link in the description for additional tags. The first time Bakugo offered her one of his necklaces, Ajako had just healed a wound on his back, caused by a displacer beast. He took one of his pieces of jewelry off, the one with the shorter cord, adorned with orange beads, and, ignoring all her instructions about taking some rest, stood up and leaned towards her. Um, what are you doing? You want it or not, he asked impatiently, as if it were such an immense honor to get the necklace from him. Achako nodded, a little startled for having a man so close to her face like he was. I shall always honor you. Huh? He didn't answer, only walked away saying he would look for some wood to light a fire. The necklace cord was really short, so she couldn't pull it to observe it better, so Achako just stayed there, touching and feeling the small beads. It was, she believes, an unexpected thank you gift, but thoroughly appreciated. The second necklace came when they found an inn next to a citadel. Sleeping in the forest, under the stars, and next to a fire is only fun when it's not a daily situation. Chaco needed a real bed and a roof above her head for a change. Coming from a distant kingdom which economy is based on a barter system, the young barbarian who accompanied her on this quest didn't carry any money, so it was solely up to her to pay for a room. Yes, just one room. She didn't have money for two. She wanted to take the room with two beds, but even though he didn't understand much about the currency, he looked at the prices and concluded that the room with one bed was cheaper. The owner of the inn handed her the key looking at the tall blonde boy in the most absolute horror, which is why now she is curled up on her side of the mattress, hoping she was already given herself to sleep when Bakugo comes back from the bath. But it's not that easy. Ajako never thought that one day she would share a bed with a man who isn't her future husband. And even so, this is exactly where she is, separated from her friends who went on a different quest and lost in a city far from everything she has ever known, traveling with a barbarian prince well known for his prowess and violence. Not that she thinks he's going to hurt her. Bakugo is as rough and impulsive as he is perceptive and smart. He knows that he won't achieve his goal of finding his dragon, who has been captured and imprisoned by mercenaries in the north, without a mage who can heal and support him in battle. He needs her alive and healthy to stay alive and healthy. Simple as that. But there are things that men like to do in the privacy of a bedroom that don't necessarily hurt, and the idea terrifies her more than having her throat slit. The prince barely looks at her more than necessary during the day, and never tried to do anything on the nights they slept in the forest, but you never know, and he's so hard to figure. Especially when he needs her healing skills. Most of the time, he looks away from her and doesn't even thank her for her services, except that from time to time he seems intrigued, curious, asks some questions about her skills and what else she can do with them. At times like these, he seems genuinely interested in her. And the prince's interest makes her feel quite strange, as if her magic is circulating inside her chest and boiling, and that's the problem. 
The problem isn't him trying anything, but Achako considering not to resist if he does try something. She closes her eyes when she hears him entering the room, shrugging and squeezing herself. His weight makes the covers sink and her body slides slightly towards him. Oh no. His hand on her shoulder feels warm. She thinks it's due to the bath, but after touching him a few times to heal him, she knows the heat simply emanates naturally from him. Maybe they didn't even need the fire the previous nights. If they slept close to each other, they could... That's not a good thought for the moment. It would never be, actually. Hey, witch, are you sleeping? She jumps when she feels, rather than hears, his words in her ear, his deep and raspy voice making her flush. Ah! Achako gets up from the bed and faces him, her heart beating like crazy, and for her own good, she stands guard. I have already told you several times, your highness, I'm not a witch, I'm a mage. Same difference. And don't call me highness in that sassy tone, insolent witch. He bites back most of their few conversations, and just like this. He calls her a witch. She refers to him as highness, in utter irony. Why did you wake me up? Quit fucking sleeping. Now come here, I want to do this fast so I can get some fucking sleep. She opens her eyes wide. Do, do, do this fast? Do what fast? Just get in here. He gives a smack on the mattress, making her feel even less inclined to obey him. Bakugo rolls his eyes and stands up too, facing her. Draconian red eyes glim tenaciously in the dim room. And Achako wonders if he has any power of hypnosis in those eyes, because it's particularly difficult to look away from his gaze. The prince holds her by the arms and turns so that she falls sitting on the bed, and then she realizes that she has fallen into the trap. Ah, surely there is magic in those eyes. He must have made some sort of pact with the dragon he seeks to find. But Ochako can't even think about it too much, because in the next second he's leaning down to be eye-level with her. Bakugo, she whispers and presses her thighs together unconsciously, preparing herself for something that she's certainly not ready to do. And then he takes off his necklace, one that has a string a little longer than the orange one he gave her earlier. This one is decorated with gray and blue beads that look like big fangs of a carnivorous animal. I shall always respect you, he informed seriously before putting it around her neck. Uh, all right. That's all she manages to answer, still immersed in a situation that apparently would only happen in her imagination. Bakugo is no beast, and he's maybe even more sensitive than she imagined. He must have noticed her discomfort and gave her one of his necklaces as a guarantee that he would never take something that Achaka was not ready to give. He's kind. Now go to sleep, damn witch, the blonde grumbles, pushing her on the bed until he has taken her side on the mattress. Okay, but it doesn't change the fact that he's annoying and inconvenient at times. Most of the time. The reunion with Izuku and Ida didn't happen exactly as she imagined. They arrived at the port in search of information about the lost dragon and ended up captured by pirates as wanting bounty. The head of a prince, even from a distant kingdom, is always valuable. Machako managed to use a distraction spell in time to get Bakugo out of danger, but ended up trapped instead of him. And it was in the hold of one of the ships that she found her friends tied to each other by their hands. Without her staff, taken by the pirates, it gets harder to channel the energy needed to cast spells, 
but she is quick to create heat magic and burn the ropes that bind her hands, and soon she frees her friends too. Are you okay, Uraraka? We've been looking for you for weeks. Ida takes a good look at her, as if inspecting her for something. Wounds, maybe? Yes, don't worry. Were you able to accomplish your quest? In a way, yes, and you apparently accomplished yours, didn't you? Me? No, we haven't found the red dragon yet. Well, then, why are you here alone? By now, the barbarian prince would have left with his dragon, and don't tell me he abandoned you here and went on his way. I don't think he would do something like this, Izuku pondered, looking at her. Your necklaces are pretty, Uraraka. These? Uh, Bakugo gave them to me. I think they're gifts. Anyway, we need to get out of here, and... The hull of the ship suddenly breaks, and Achako is appalled to notice that the water doesn't flood the boat because it's frozen. He said it was impossible to attack from above, so he came from below. The two friends compliment each other, and she doesn't even have time to ask anything because soon the ice breaks the ship in two, and the pirates invade the hold, armed with swords and daggers. Ah, if she only had her staff here right now. It'll be hard not to pass out using magic like this with your bare hands, Achako closes her eyes and begins to channel her energy until she hears a manic cackle echoing. He's not wearing his cloak when he flings himself at the enemies, throwing weapons to her and her friends. Let's see what you've got, you idiots, Bakugo snarls at Ida and Izuku, who immediately position themselves to battle. I haven't got your staff back yet, witch, but I know you can handle it. He smiles as he dodges attacks while doing his own in the same intensity and fury. Handle is exactly what she does. Ajako doesn't have much experience with weapons. She knows the basics that Ida taught her about wielding a sword. The barbarian prince promised to train her in the use of bow and arrow in the future, which makes her think that he will continue walking with this group, even after he finds his dragon. The prospect makes her even more excited to beat these bad guys. And when it's over, Ajako looks at him, breathless and glorious, thinking that she would follow this man wherever he went. Are you all right? Need healing? She asks with much more excitement than is appropriate for the situation, trying to convince herself that she isn't that excited just because she will get to touch him. It, it can be a little challenging without my staff, but I... This staff right here? A monotonous voice emerges from the destroyed deck. A boy with hair divided into two colors and a big scar on his face throws the staff for her to grab it. Uh, thank you. Achako frowns at the unknown man. Uraraka, we have also been traveling with the prince, Izuku says and points to him solemnly. Prince Todoroki Shoto, heir to the throne of the lands of ice and fire, at your service. He bows as if she was the royal one, which makes her blush violently. Yeah, yeah, quit the bragging, you piece of shit. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't even know in which ship they were trapped. You're welcome, by the way, you idiots. Do you know each other? Ida asks. My kingdom has peace treaties with all the barbarian tribes in the east. Prince Todoroki explains. I hope you will continue to honor it when you're king. Psst, I do what I want. Bakugo grumbles and looks back at her. What? Nothing, nothing. Just, how did you know where I was trapped? I followed the magic. He points to the necklaces. Oh. It's true the stones end up absorbing energy when they are constantly exposed to magic, and since he got hurt a lot throughout this journey and had contact with her magical power, powers every time he was injured, the necklaces absorbed her energy. Achako and Bakugo are bounded by her magic. Speaking of necklace, Bakugo takes off the one with red beads and stones, placing it around her neck. 
I shall always protect you, he says solemnly, and then turns to her with a half-smile, as if he is sharing a very private secret between the two of them. Although I don't think you really need me to. And that makes Achaco smile, her heart exhilarating. Bakugo starts shouting orders at the others, saying that he left one of the pirates alive so they can get information out of him, and pulls Ida's sword, who goes after him complaining about how to conduct an interrogation in the right way. Achaco goes after them trying to appease the discussion, not even realizing that Izuku and the prince stay a little behind. Did you see what I just saw? Shoto asked. Uh, what? He gave her a necklace. It's already the third, apparently. Uh, yeah? Izuku frowns. Todoroki, is there... is there a problem? Nothing, I just... I remembered a story about barbarian customs, but... Anyway, it must be a tradition that has already been forgotten. Tradition? Forget it. Let's go. The dragon is a little different from what she expected. To begin with, he isn't a dragon, per se. He is a boy who becomes one. Red head, sharp teeth, a few inches shorter than Bakugo, and a very friendly and gentle appearance. It doesn't even look like that he was chained in a cage and that he fought against some of his captors when he was released. Such was his expression of joy by seeing Bakugo. You managed not to die, Kirishima. In Bakugo's language, in which she's getting more and more fluent as the days pass, this means, good job, I'm happy to see you again. You look good too, my friend. You've managed to gather a powerful guild, got to cross almost the entire continent, and... The redhead looks at her and smiles. You even got engaged. Congratulations. Not yet. She didn't accept the last one. He grumbles and avoids gazing at her, which can only mean that he's talking about her. Uh, but if it's just one left, then things are going pretty well, right? Kirishima keeps his cheerful tone and bows before her. It will be an honor to serve you, my lady. Lady? I... We must be the same age. She laughs, embarrassed. Ah, yes, but when you marry my lord here, you will be my lady. I'm only addressing you properly. Marry? <laughs> I think, no, I'm, I'm too young for that, and there's still so much magic I want to learn. I don't. She feels Bakugo's intense gaze on hers and finds him staring at her in horror. What the hell are you talking about, you crazy witch? What do you mean you're not getting married? Are you fucking nuts? Uh, no, it's not that I don't dream of marriage one day, but I have other priorities now, and then why did you accept my proposal? What proposal? The marriage proposal. What? When did you propose to me? Uh, Bakugo, I think... You didn't think anything, Kirishima. Shut up. He doesn't even look at the dragon boy, totally focused on her. He reaches out and touches the necklaces. Why did you accept the necklaces if you had no intention of getting married? The necklaces? She looks down and remembers his words when he handed each one to him, to her, thinking now what he said looked a lot like vows. It's an ancient tradition of barbarian tribes. The man offers necklaces to the woman he considers worthy of his courtship. If she accepts the necklaces, she's reciprocating the vows and agreeing to the marriage, Todoroki explains. Yeah, that's right. I already gave my necklaces to Mina. I'm just waiting for us to go home so I can marry her, Hiroshima says excitedly. But, uh, it seems that Uraraka didn't know how this works. Of course I didn't know. I've never met a barbarian before. I've 
barely known you were real. But you even put magic on the necklaces for me to always know where you are, Bakugo snapped. Not on purpose. Stones absorb magic energy. As I healed you several times, they took some of my magic. You... I can't believe you're really mad at me for not accepting something that I didn't even know I was accepting. And I can't believe that you're so fucking stupid that you didn't even realize what was happening. All of the guys witnessing this exchange between them looked stunned by what he just said. That's right. Achako approaches him. So you better choose a more fitting fiancé next time, your highness. A barbaric prince shouldn't marry some stupid witch, should he? She rips off the collars and throws them on his chest, turning and stomping to get away from him. Ugh, why is she crying? The situation was so ridiculous and absurd, the maid should be laughing at all of this with his friends. But no, here she is crying while he was resenting the way he called her stupid. Arrogant little prince, mean, coarse, unpleasant. She goes on listing all the bad things about him while shooting the arrows she recently won and is learning to use. Chaka will have to find a new teacher. Maybe Izuku will teach her when they get back home. And to think that she had plans to go on a journey with that bastard. She would probably end up going east with him, only to be surprised at her own wedding ceremony. That's insane. The rustling in the bushes makes her suddenly turn towards where the noise is coming from. When Ochako sees that the person who came to find her is just the one she was trying to avoid, she keeps the bow and arrow pointed at him. Keep your back straight. Archers don't bow to anyone, which... He repeats what he said during his previous lessons. Relax your hand. Keep the tension solely on your fingers. She follows the instructions for some reason. See? You're not that stupid. He widens his eyes when she shoots. The arrow grazes his face. Small drops of blood and strands of blonde hair fall on the grass. And then he smiles in satisfaction. Not bad. Why are you still here? You already have your dragon. You can leave. She drops the quiver and the bow on the floor, turning her back on him. That was my fucking plan, but Kirishima refuses to become a dragon for us to get out of here if I don't talk to you. He mutters. There's nothing to talk about, your highness. You said it yourself. I'm stupid, aren't I? She scoffs. You're going to proceed with a marriage proposal without knowing if I really wanted to get married. Yes, you're right. And don't give me... Wait, what? Did you say that I... that I'm right? Achako almost lets her arms fall to her sides as she turns to face him. There was no way for me to know that you didn't know, but I should have asked when I saw your face that night at the inn. You looked like a fucking fool. This damn necklace thing is pretty stupid. I didn't even know who invented this shit. We follow tradition like a bunch of morons, he snaps, making her a little sad when he turns around towards where he came from. Anyway, forget the marriage proposal. I wasn't serious. Goodbye, witch. See you never. No, wait a minute. But, but if you were courting me, it's because you... She goes to him without knowing how to finish that sentence. Your magic is something I've never seen. You are something I have never seen. These months that we traveled together made me see that there is a world of things for me to learn if I will ever be king of my people. And a king needs a strong, fearless queen, and that can live without a king. He sighs and turns to her with a resigned and surprisingly docile expression. Her heart skips a beat before speeding up madly, and Achako approaches him. She brings her hand to his cheek, lacerated by her arrow, and, using her magic materialized in a pink glow, makes the wound disappear, shivering all over after using magic without the staff. 
Thank you. I'm glad you see me like this. She smiles, then giggles, seeing his widened eyes and the blush rising up his cheeks. Gotta say, your people have a much cooler way of courting. That's so? He raises an eyebrow. How do they court where you come from? A boy is interested in a girl, goes to her parents, and offers a cow in exchange for her hand. A cow? Women with wide hips are worth a cow and two chickens. She shakes her hips playfully. Luckily, Izuku and Ida showed before a suitor in my life. Those idiots are completely useless, after all. So, a cow and two chickens? Usually just the cow. But you're worth the damn chickens. He glances at her hips with no shame. Don't say things like that. And then she realizes what he means. You're not thinking about asking my parents for my hand like that, right? What the hell? My way of proposing isn't good. Neither is yours. How the hell do you want to get married then, woman? He looks frustrated. Bakugo really wants to be with her somehow. He reciprocates her feelings, which makes her sigh. I don't know, okay? As I said before, I don't want to get married yet. But when the time comes, I want I want to do it my own way. I, I want time for us to get to know each other. See if we understand each other. Something a little less formal than marriage, but still a serious commitment, you know? And what do you want to call it then? Dating? He suggests in mockery. Um, dating. But unfortunately for him, Machako loves the idea. Yes, let's call it dating. And since it's something we invented together, we can create the rules in our own way. Hmm. That seems to make him more interested without following any stupid tradition. Yes. You crazy mage, he grins. I like that in a girlfriend. Achako can't help but smile too, and then notices the fourth necklace, the only one he didn't make her wear. The cord is the longest, and it has the least stones, only three and a muddy gray tone. She touches it and feels the magic bubbling. The sensation is comforting. What vow did this one represent? You never told me. He rolls his eyes and takes off the necklace, placing it on her neck, then pulls her by the cord and plants a firm yet gentle kiss on her lips, leaving her in need of more when he breaks off. You. Her face flushes under the realization she has just kissed for the first time in her life. Can we do that? You're the one who said we could do this on our own way. In my way, we can do it whenever we want. Bakugo smiles, his eyes so close that she realizes that they are not endowed with any special power. They are just very beautiful and intense. Keep this necklace so I can follow your magic in case we need it one day. Okay, but you didn't answer my question. What is the vow attached to it? She shakes her head, trying to shake the butterflies in her stomach away. If we're not getting married now, you don't have to know now. She snorts but ends up giving in and follows them when they rejoin what is apparently their guild of fellow travelers from now on. Achako, her friends, and her boyfriend looking for new adventures and traveling into the unknown. And in a few years, Achako will realize that the fourth necklace means I shall always love you. But by then, it will be pretty obvious to her. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this reading, please use the AO3 link in the description to give the author a well-deserved kudos and comment. Also, don't hesitate to message us on Twitter with your requests to be read.